0: Father, we again look forward to looking into your word this morning to be instructed, corrected, and blessed. We know that you have given it to us for our edification, for our growth, for our sanctification after salvation. And Lord, we we thank you for that. We ask you this morning that we would be attentive to your word, to your voice through your word. And we'll thank you for what you're going to accomplish in our local area today through the work of your saints, obedient to your word. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. So we're still in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we're going to we won't finish the chapter today but we'll get close. We're going to read from verse 11 to the end of the chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11. And you know you just you know how it's so, it's so easy to choose those sections to read because the letter you, the the number you want to start with is in bold. <laughs> they made they made it easy for me. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 11-21. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. <clears throat> we are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us, that you may have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that they who live no longer, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when we were last together in uh, early October, what was it, the 24th, late October the 21st, we finished up with verse 15, chapter 5, verse 15, recognizing that Christ died for all the believers, and he died so that those believers could do whatever they wanted any time they wanted, all day long, ignoring the Scripture. That's what it seems like sometimes, but that is not what he died for. He died so that believers would no longer live for themselves, but they would live for him who died and rose again on their behalf. And we talked about what that entails, um, Christ providing everything we needed to live godly in him, including his death, burial, and resurrection, and subsequent to that, prior to it, the Old Testament, and subsequent to that, the New Testament, the Word of God, which is sufficient, which is all we need to live righteously in Christ Jesus. We don't need additions. We don't need subtractions. We need the Word of God, and we have it. So we're going to move through chapter 5 a little bit more now. I've, we're going to do some observations of um, an interesting set of things about salvation when we get through verse 17, which will probably take the rest of the, of the morning. And I would like to point out that all of this is online. It's a list. It's a marvelous list. And if you, if you want to have access to it, Josh puts it online every week. It's a little PowerPoint. If you don't have the ability to open PowerPoints, just e- email me and I will copy and paste the entire list to you. It's a marvelous list and we'll get to it here in a bit. So verse 16. He's, there's a therefore there, so he's what we would look at is 15. And he, Christ, died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. We don't recognize him according to male or female. We don't recognize him according to big or little. Influential or plain spoken, Republican or Democrat, or any of the labels that we attach to people. Christ, the believer, Paul is recognizing the believers, whether people, people, I should say, whether they're believers or not believers. There are two types of people in the world. (laughs) Where have you heard that before? But there really are. It really does boil down to those who will spend eternity with Christ and those who will not. There are believers and there are unbelievers. And that is the distinction Paul is making. The love of Christ controlled Paul. In verse 14, he said, And Christ died for all who would trust him. Verse 15. Therefore, Paul makes note of the fact that he no longer, he no longer estimates people or values them based upon their ethnicity, their sex, their work, or any other superficial characteristic. Rather, he recognizes people as believers Or unbelievers. Paul originally had made a human assessment of Christ, and he reckoned Christ to be a zealot, a wicked man who deserved death. He was an anti Old Testament purveyor of false information, false doctrine is what Paul thought of him. That view had changed on the Damascus Road, and now he recognized Christ as God in the flesh, the savior of all who trust him. Prior to his conversion, Paul, having assessed Christian uh, Christians, the followers of Christ, based upon what he thought of Christ, and by the way, that's what people will do with you, with me. They will assess what they think of Christ based on what they think of us. He had assessed people who followed Christ based on what he thought of Christ, which he thought was a zealot. He thought he was a zealot subject to death, uh, worthy of death. Therefore, in Acts chapter 6, excuse me, 26, verses 9 through 11, he says this. So then, Paul says, I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He had to. I had to, he said. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. That's what Paul did. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Interesting side note, there are many who are atheistic, and this is how they react to Christianity. Not only do they think you're foolish for believing it, they think you shouldn't be able to. It should be illegal to indoctrinate children in this thing. That's what they think. And make no mistake, this has happened many times throughout the history of the church. They would love, there are those who would love to take away your right to teach your children the things of the Lord because they think you're harming them. When in fact, the truths, the sublime truths that are part and parcel of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ are what have created the very freedoms that they operate in and in which they would like to take yours from you. What an irony. It's difficult sometimes to help them see that. As a matter of fact, it's almost impossible unless Christ regenerates their mind. Once Paul trusted Christ, he no longer saw the Lord this way. And therefore, he no longer saw the Lord's followers as blasphemers and rebels worthy of death. If Jesus was God incarnate in a human body, then he was the Messiah. And he was worthy of complete devotion and service. And Christ's followers in Paul's mind, were also worthy of devotion and service as well. And so that is what he did. Because he changed his mind about what he thought about Christian. He no longer recognized men according to the flesh, it says in verse 16. Even though they knew Christ according to the flesh, now, he says, we know him thus no longer. We know him as who he is, as, as to what has been revealed in the Scripture and as to what his life demonstrated, God in the flesh. And therefore, Paul treated Christ as God in the flesh, reacted and responded to him thus, and did did the same for believers. And so he committed his whole life to service to the church, whether it was spending time traveling and actually going to the churches, correcting false doctrine and ministering to people or writing to them. He spent his entire life, the rest of his entire life, serving the church of Christ. And that is what God is calling us to do, to serve one another. And we talked about that last time we were together. Any comments or questions about verse 16? Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now, the word anyone here, referencing those who are in Christ, means anyone. Now, I'm sure we all know people who are Christians who we don't think the old things have passed away yet. I I know many who, when I first became a Christian, they wondered, he still acts like an idiot, you know. (laughs) It took a while, you know, it took a while for it to take, if you will. But the salvation is instantaneous. The changes that come to the believer's mind and heart and and actions can take some time. But the Scripture says he is a new creature. Make no mistake, the old is gone. Spiritually, he's a new creature. And we're going to talk about what that means. There are 33 things that one man has, has made a list of, and they're just remarkable. And I think it will, it will do us all well to just kind of go through them, but we're going to do that. So this is not a remaking. Christ has created a new Creature, a new thing. Paul is saying that anyone who has trusted Christ has been created anew. This is not a remaking of a broken toy. This is a new creation fashioned at salvation. Yes, the flesh still hangs on, but but the old spirit has passed away and the new the new has come. Literally, the archaic is gone and the fresh is now here. And this is not milk that will sour. It's not pasteurized, that's evil stuff. But you are now not, you are on an upward path. Salvation is complete, but your sanctification is one. I I think I remember reading a book, Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. That's probably a fairly good assessment of a believer's life. Three steps forward, two steps back. Three steps forward. Sometimes you're climbing steep, steep mountainous terrain, and sometimes you're going downhill. Sometimes it's level. But salvation has been... Performed at, at 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 when you believe and it's done. Let's see if I can. Passed away. To come, that is to to go away, to go by. It is to pass out of sight, to render void. The old is rendered void. The new has come. The old is done away with. The new has replaced it. It's replaced. So false theology, bad ideas, hurts and assorted bitterness are going away. The salvation is complete, but the change internally, the change in our minds, as it says in Romans chapter 12, that we're supposed to study the word of God so that we renew our minds, putting away the old. These have been replaced with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Now, of course, this doesn't happen overnight, instantaneously in the flesh, even though the new creation has come instantaneously. at salvation. As believers develop proper theology... Good ideas, forgiveness, and the other fruits that are mentioned, the good, that in the Greek is an ongoing happening, comes. It begins to happen and it comes. New desires, new concerns, new inclinations, and truths become the order of the day. Actually, I shouldn't say new truths. The truth becomes the order of the day. The old passes away. The things you thought before, you begin to see, especially the ones that were untrue, you begin to see them in the light of Scripture as not only untrue, but in many cases foolish and dangerous. Things believed in the past that were, not to be, that were not true begin to wither away as the truth of Scripture renews the mind. And that is why we must spend time in God's Word. Daily. You eat daily. Well, some of us looks like we eat more than daily, but... You eat daily. You breathe daily. Or, secondly... However you, however you want to characterize that. We need to be in God's Word to renew our minds. It would be nice if it, was in, if it was automatic, but it's not. It's how God has chosen for it to be done. So, sanctification is a process initiated at salvation, and day by day, belief by belief, the new believer begins to have a deep love and reverence for his Savior and for the Word of his Savior. He begins to desire the truth. He begins to desire the meat of the Word, And he he finds in Scripture a new and abiding way, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, old things pass away and everything becomes new. Do you think like you did 10 years ago? Better not. Do you think like you did two years ago? There will come a time when that kind of advancement will stop. We will always find awe and, incred- and incredulity in, in beholding the Savior of the universe. But for now, for now, we're changing daily. We're changing daily as we, become, as we study Scripture and as God renews our mind with His Word. He instructs, He corrects, He removes, and He changes, and He blesses. So in his systematic theology, Lewis Berry Chafer lists 33 things that are true about salvation. And I, I didn't find this tedious. I found it very interesting. In his systematic theology, he put them together. We're going to just kind of go through them. Did you know, I know you knew this, but I'm going to say it like that, that your salvation was in the eternal plan of God? It was in his eternal plan. His eternal plan. He didn't just sometime 15,000 years ago, I'm going to save Brian. Wow, that's cool. I like Brian. No. No. From eternity past, your salvation was in His plan. For whom He did... You were foreknown, number one. Have I got the right... Yeah, I do. And again, this is online. You can look at this. It's in the PowerPoint that Josh puts online. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans eight twenty nine. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, peace, and be multiplied. First uh, Peter one two. So you were foreknown. You were elect by God of God. You were elected by God. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. I'm not going to read them all. I'm going to read. I'm going to kind of cherry pick them, but they're available as I said online. You can you can have the entire list. Um, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies, Romans 8.33. Paul, in Titus 1.1, 1, 1, says this, A servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. It's clear that from time immemorial pass, you were elect of God. Number three, you were predestinated, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, Ephesians 1.11. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Christ Jesus to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So you were predestinated. You were chosen. I know, we've, we've, I know you've gone through these things, you've thought about them, but it's, it's, I think it's, it's incumbent upon us to just think about them as a group sometimes. The, there's a marvelous group of, of facts about salvation that should just thrill us. We were chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. We were called. Faithful is he that calls you who, will also, who also will do it. First Thessalonians 5.24 Then, the second one is we were reconciled. We were reconciled by God. You didn't decide one day that you needed to be reconciled to God. He, in his foreknowledge, had chosen the day and the time, and he regenerated your mind, and you were reconciled to him. He called you, and all things were of God, it says, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us this the ministry of reconciliation. And we're going to talk about that later. What does that ministry of reconciliation mean? What are we responsible for? What does reconciliation have to do with us and others? To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So you were reconciled. All of Christ's righteousness was placed upon you, and all of your sin was removed and placed upon him. Reconciled to God, it's one thing to be reconciled by someone. It's another thing to go restore that relationship. There have been times, I'm sure in your life, when you had family problems And there was reconciliation. And after the reconciliation, you came back together. And you began talking to each other again, working with each other again. This is what happens at salvation. We are reconciled to God, and now we can have a relationship with him. We were redeemed. We were redeemed by God, not by our good works in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. For as much as you know, that was Colossians 1.14. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, from your wicked lifestyle, received by tradition from your fathers. First 1 Peter 1.18. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, lest we should not be condemned with the world. We were redeemed. We were changed. Oh, that's out of all, excuse me, I jumped ahead. You were redeemed out of condemnation. Prior to salvation, you were condemned. After salvation, you are redeemed from it. Number four, we are related to God through a satisfaction of His holiness. His holiness had to be satisfied. His inability to be around sin had to be taken care of. And at salvation, propitiation occurred. You were the satisfaction for God's holiness. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2 2. Kind of got behind there, didn't I? Number four, related to God. I already said that through propitiation. Being justified freely in Romans chapter three, it says, by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him who believeth, which believeth in Jesus. Romans chapter 3. He had to propitiate our sins in order for him to be able to be just in removing the penalty that we were to face. It's no longer our penalty, Christ covered it. Number five All sins are covered by the atoning blood, not some. Not most, but in the life of the believer, all sins are covered by the atoning blood. Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. First Peter 2.24. Number six. Sorry about the change in size of font, but that's just how it was. Some stuff fit easy on those pages, and some stuff didn't. Number six. We are vitally joined together with Christ for judgment of the old man unto a new walk. And you know that actually, there's a lot of scripture there, but for my money, if you will, Romans chapter 6 pretty well covers that. And I'm just going to jump there real quick. And we're going to read, I think the first six verses of Romans chapter 6, which covers we're joined together with Christ for judgment of the old man unto a new walk. Not only do we become a new man, but we change the way we live. God changed the way we live. Romans 6, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we, who died to sin, still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death certainly we shall be also in the likeness of our of his resurrection knowing this that our old man our old self was crucified with him that our body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin we are joined together with christ exchanging the old man for a new walk number 7 we're free from the law. Dead to the law? We are dead to the law. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even him who is raised from the dead, that you should bring forth fruit unto God. Romans 7, 4. We're delivered from the law. For sin, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans six fourteen. Then, finally, this misapplied title, the the title Children of God is reserved for the saints. It's reserved for believers. Not everybody is a child of God. Everybody, prior to salvation, is a child of wrath. Upon regeneration and and salvation, you become a child of God. Eternally blessed, eternally secure, eternally to spend time and and eternity with Him. You're born again. Marvel not that I said unto you, he says to Nicodemus, that you must be born again, John 3, 7. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. To them he gave power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, John 1, 12. You're quickened or made alive. Prior to salvation, we were dead. After salvation, we're made alive. And you he has quickened who are dead in trespasses and sin. Now, you're sons of God. Again, repeating the first statement. You're sons of God. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Number four, you're a new creature. What we talked about today. And we just read it. Verse 17. For in Christ Jesus Galatians 6:15 says neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature. We're regenerated. Regeneration provides the walk through salvation, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the holy ghost. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. Number 9. Actually Yeah, number nine. We are adopted, placed as adult sons or adult children. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby now you can cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15, I added a little bit there. Whereby now we cry, "Abba, Abba, Father. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to with the redemption of our body. Looking forward to that. But we are adopted into the, lo- into the life of Christ. And some of this seems like a repeat. Maybe it is. Or just a, um, a strengthening of what was said before. You're now made acceptable to God by Christ Jesus. Before salvation, you were not acceptable. You were use- we were useless. I was useless. Now, you're acceptable. Acceptable seems like such a low-level word, but it's really not. It's really not. Once you are made acceptable for something, you can get in. If you are, if you pass the driver's test, you, you don't get to be a, well, you can, you can be a driver by not passing it. This is probably not a great comparison, but once you pass the driver's test, now you're acceptable as a driver. Theoretically, you've got all the skills you need to be a good driver. <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road. We'd be here for 2 weeks. But you're acceptable. You're acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You are made the righteousness of God in Christ, even the righteousness of God which is of faith, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe for there is no difference. So get that. You're not just Acceptable. That's the, that's the entry level. You're made righteous in Christ. There's just, that's hard to believe. I have to stop and think about that often. I'm righteous before God. When he looks, he sees righteousness. Why? Because he doesn't see me. He sees his son. You're sanctified positionally. You're set apart in Christ. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, 1 Corinthians 1.30. You're perfected forever. The perfection that occurred at salvation will continue forever. Now, one of the nice things about that is that at entry into heaven, we'll actually start being perfect. (laughs) We'll actually start acting and living perfect. The perfection that has been given to us. For by one offering, it says, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified so the perfection started at salvation it will culminate at when we are, when we die when we go to heaven we're made accepted in the beloved and number 5 we're made meet we're qualified number 9 you're justified therefore being justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ romans 5:1 and that being justified by his grace in titus chapter 3 verse 7 we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life Number 12, forgiven all trespass. Earlier we were forgiven all sin. I, some of this again is a repeat and so we'll move through it real, a little quickly but a distinction he says here is necessary between a complete and abiding judicial forgiveness that God has placed on you. You're completely and eternally forgiven but the distinction needs to be made um, about the oft-repeated forgiveness within the family of God which is 1 John one nine. If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you your sin. That is restoration of fellowship. You're not getting saved again when you do that. And I know you all know that. But you are acknowledging to God waywardness and 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 a willingness to change that waywardness. You're you're apologizing. It's stronger than that. But you're asking for forgiveness so that you can regain fellowship, broken fellowship, not for regaining salvation. You're made nigh... It's an, old, it's an old word that uh, is used in the King James, not so much in the, in the later translations. But uh, the idea is you're brought close. You're brought close. It's one thing, when my wife was in Ireland, I had lots of pictures of her on my, my computer screen. wasn't the same thing. Not even close. We're made nigh. Right now, we are complete and forgiven, and we're sanctified, or we're, we're justified in Christ. But at some point, we're going to be there with Him. But it, now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometime were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So according to the Scripture, we are brought close by salvation. We were delivered from the power of, of darkness. Let me make sure I'm getting... There we go. We were delivered from the powers of darkness. Colossians 1.13, who has delivered us, Pretty straightforward statement from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son or his beloved son. We've been translated into the kingdom. And we are built and are built, we, are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, and Jim went through this as we studied... um, as we studied John, especially the book of John. So we are on the rock of Christ. Prior to this, prior to salvation, your life was built on sand. It was a shifting, shape-forming, changing thing. A lizard person you were. Not anymore. Now you're built on the rock of Christ. And you're built upon the foundation of Christ. Number, Number 17, you're a gift. Get this. And Jim talked about this often when we were going through, especially the early chapters of John. You're a gift from God the Father to Christ. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, boy, is this the booby prize he's given to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, sometimes, I have manifested your name unto the men which have you gave us me out of the world, Jesus says in John 17. Thine they were, and you gave, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Neither pray I these for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. That's us. We are a gift from the Father to Christ. Partakers of the holy and royal priesthood. We are members of the holy priesthood. We are members of the royal priesthood. The scriptures are there. Again, they're online if you need them. Twenty. A chosen generation and a peculiar people. That's a word used in the King James. A a, a special set-apart people. I know I'm peculiar, but I'm also set-apart. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That you should what show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, First Peter two nine. You now have, through salvation, access to God. For through Him, Christ Jesus, that is, we have access by one Spirit unto the Father, Ephesians chapter two verse eighteen. Then there's this interesting. Um, Set of scriptures, different a couple of different places in the scripture where it talks about much more. We are within the much more care of God. In Romans 5, 9, and 10, he says this, Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. You are subject to much more care. Love, special, special favor that God has for you. Your objects of His love, your objects of His grace for security, for salvation, for security, for service, and for instruction. Salvation, security, service, and instruction. Your objects of His power and your objects of His faithfulness. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is God faithful? Does it always feel like he's faithful? The scripture, which is sufficient, says that he is faithful. Number seven, your objects, excuse me, your objects of his comfort. When you are struggling, go to the Lord for comfort. Spend time in the Psalms, but be with Christ for comfort. Go to people as needed. But God wishes to give you comfort. Number seven, your objects of his intercession. The Lord Jesus Christ himself intercedes for you in ways that you will never be able to, that I will never be able to. Number 23, and here it is again, this gift to Christ. Where is inheritance? (laughs) The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the rich of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And then salvation provides our inheritance. To an inheritance, salvation gives us, incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And then number 25, heavenly association. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're partners with Christ in life. We're partners with Christ in position. We're partners with Christ in service. And Paul will flesh some of that out in the coming verses in Second Corinthians. And we are... Um, he is faithful, we need to be faithful. We're partners with Christ, and here's the one that none of us really likes. In suffering. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. First verse was 2 Timothy 2.12. This was Philippians 1.29 we're heavenly citizens again those scriptures are included there we're of the family and household of god we're light we ourselves are light in the lord we provide light to others because of the scripture and the script and the spirit of god working not because of us we're vitally united went too far we're vitally united And there are quite a few parts of that. We are um, being vitally united. We are in God. We're in Christ. We are a member of His body. We are a branch of the vine. We are stones in the building. We are sheep in His flock. We are a part of His bride. We are a priest of the kingdom of priests. We are a saint of the chosen generation. And we are in the Spirit. Number 30, we're blessed with the first fruits. And the earnest of the Spirit. You have been given the Holy Spirit to seal you. You have been given the Holy Spirit to guide you. And you have been given the Holy Spirit to keep you. We're born of the Spirit. We're baptized with the Spirit. There's not a second. You don't have to seek some second, secondary blessing. It is all given at salvation. And we are indwelt by the Spirit. 31. Were glorified. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. Romans 8.30. You're complete in Him. You're complete in Him, finished in Him, and you possess every spiritual blessing. And I'd like to read this last paragraph here. Such is the work which is now fully accomplished in and for the lowliest sinner who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is all superhuman, and God alone could do it. Nay, if man could even have any part in that work, it would have, with that at that point of contact, be imperfect, and there be therefore be blasted and ruined forever. These marvels of grace constitute that good work which he has put, which he has but begun in those who trust him. To this much more is yet to be added, according to Philippians one six: He that has begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. The riches of grace are the beginning. The final presentation and glory in the likeness of Christ will be the completion. Such a final perfection and such an eternal being is the greatest divine undertaking for the one who has been lost in sin. Nothing less than this would satisfy the infinite love of God. That he might thus be free to satisfy his boundless love for us, he met all the issues of sin for a lost and ruined world. And so perfectly has he wrought that man need now but believe and receive the bounty of his grace. It is grace reigning through righteousness. For God has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things whom be glory forever. Amen. Romans 11. 32 through 36. That was a long list, and some of it seemed to be redundant. But I think you will find as you read through Scripture that some of it is redundant. And those things that are redundant in Scripture pay special attention to, because God was saying something again. He was saying something twice, or three times, or four times. Not that all of Scripture isn't terribly important to pay attention to, because it is. And we'll finish up with verse 18. Verse 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All of those list of 33 things are things that we should be delighted to see visited upon other people. We should want them to have access to be involved in all of those things. Reconciliation occurs from the top down, not from the bottom up. Men would never seek reconciliation so God reconciles us that is his sheep, to himself, and then we are reconciled by the removal of his wrath from us. The work was done through the Lord Jesus Christ. Note that all these things refers to what we have just talked about in the preceding verses, verses 14 through 17. So reconciled uh, actually was using in exchanging coins for goods. You both felt that you had received equal... uh, you were equal in a transaction. You gave someone a certain number of coins, and they gave you something in, in uh, replacement for that, or, or in result of that. You bought a car. Well, in fact, you bought a cart. You bought a cow. You bought, and your your coins were rendered in service for that, and it was it was a reconciliation. You made a reconciliation, and both parties were satisfied. Is God satisfied with what Christ did? Are we satisfied with what Christ did? We're getting the better end of this deal, people. I mean, we don't have anything to give him. This is different than when I spent money to buy my pickup. I got something out of the deal. Sometimes I think to God, boy, Lord, you're just not a very good trader. (laughs) Because you gave everything and you got me. But that's what he wanted. That's what he chose from time, eternity past. The idea of reconciliation is that the two parties come to agreement, acknowledging the same point as true. In the case of believers, it is going from believing one thing to believing the right things. Following this reconciliation, every believer is given the the responsibility to be a minister of reconciliation to others. It is our responsibility now as God empowers us. You don't leave it to some clergy. There isn't some clergy. There's us. There's we. We are the ministers of reconciliation. The concept of reconciliation occurs five times in verses 18 through 20. We'll see it as we study further. The reconciliation that occurs at salvation is immediate and complete. The sinner is justified perfectly and receives the righteousness of Christ to cover every sin he or she ever has or ever will commit. The flesh continues on, of course... And final restoration will happen at death, but the effectiveness of the restoration spiritually is perfect, is complete. This reconciliation, by the way, was done at Christ's expense. And that's what it says here. All of these things are from God who reconciled to himself, us to himself through Christ. It was through Christ that the reconciliation was complete. He had, that is, he had to pay the final penalty for all the sins of them who's got, those whom God had chose to reconcile to himself. Upon reconciliation to God, the believer is given the ministry of reconciliation to others. And the word ministry comes from the word where we get deacon. And it's an old, as much as I could study it back, it's an old, I think, ionic word that had the, I think we've talked about this, it had the idea of someone who was so busy in service that they stirred up dust. It had to do with stirring up dust in service to others. They didn't stand still. They had to be about the business of serving others, of taking care of others' needs. They were willing, they did it with a willing, voluntary attitude. It was active service. Prayer is included. Prayer is included, but prayer is not all. It includes the actual, physical ministering to the needs of others. That's what we were called to. We are the ministers of reconciliation. And the companion section, will finish up with this. The companion section in Romans 5 fleshes this out even more. Romans 5, 8 through 11, it says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life. We shall begin to act like him too. And not only this, but we shall we, we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. So this happened while we were still sinners. It wasn't like we came to some conclusion. We came to our senses and about our wickedness and sought God. God demonstrated, that is, he effected this toward us while we were still trapped in our own sin. And now we have been justified and saved even while we were enemies. We don't do that. We don't reconcile enemies without them at least acting like they want something because we can't change their mind. But God changed ours. We now have the life of Christ, and Christ's life was a life of service. I forgot to look this scripture up. It's early on in Mark. But he came, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to be a ransom for many, is what Mark said. He came to ransom, and so we are committed the ministry of telling people about that ransom. And is it an important, it is a, it is a vitally important thing to recognize that everyone in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a minister of reconciliation. These places that have people dressed up in front, I'm not going to, try and denigrate, but dressed up in front to whom have been committed the ministry of reconciliation, that is bad. (laughs) I almost said the H word. It probably is heresy. We have been committed the ministry of reconciliation. Everyone in this room that is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to take it seriously. There are many who need Christ. Everyone needs Christ. But there are many out there who are still waiting to hear the word of reconciliation. And it has to come through us. And that series uh, series we just had with Andrew Rappaport, I'm sure for those of you who were able to attend all of it, it was very helpful. That is the ministry of reconciliation that we have been committed. To bring the Word of Christ, the Word of God, to those who don't want to hear it, but they need to. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful that you brought this to us while we were sinners. We would have never sought you. We would have never even thought about it. As a matter of fact, we would have run the other way. But you had us in mind eternally past. You chose us through no value of our own, but because you wanted to give a gift to your Son. And so it is. Let us, Lord, be about the business of communicating that incredible story in all of its beauty to those who need Christ, to those who need to hear the word of reconciliation and be reconciled to Him by Christ, to be reconciled to the Father by Christ. We thank you for what you're doing in our community, and we ask for more of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting kootenychurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again,